We have at our house <clears throat> regular explosions. They happen when the grandchildren visit. Any of you experience this at your house? You see, we have these baskets of toys, baskets of books. We have a cupboard full of craft supplies, including crayons, coloring books, paints, Play-Doh, all in a cupboard, all neatly organized. And normally they're that way. They're tidy, they're organized, everything's in its place. But it is wonderfully amazing how each of these organized little centers of fun explode into our home within minutes of the kids' arrival, toys and books and Duplos, every imaginable dress-up garment. <laughs> everywhere, all over the house. Really, really, it's kind of fun to see such a quick transformation that, that happens, especially when there's four kids on the scene. But here's something else I've noticed, which amazes me and impresses me even more. When the kids get ready to go home, there is this parental voice, not grand parental, but parental, that says, okay, it's time to go home. Let's pick up. Pick up. And they go to work. The little ones and, and their parents, to be honest. And most everything gets put back. There is this grand gathering up uh, effort which transforms our house into this playland, chaotic playland, back into a living space that's suitable for 60-somethings. <laughs> I'm impressed with this gathering up accomplishment. It's a beautiful thing, getting it all together. We use that phrase as a way of saying everything's okay, don't we? Get it, get it all together. I remember my mentor and boss, John McCullough, used to say, I finally managed to get it all together once, and I found I couldn't lift it. <laughs> so true. I feel like this thing is just Maybe turn me down a little bit or something, I don't know. But that's the trouble, isn't it? If you, once you feel like you get it all together, you, there's nothing you can do with it. It's getting all together is hard, but it's needed in life because in this life, things fall apart. There's brokenness. Sometimes, sometimes life is a scattered mess, chaotic and confusing, and it just gets that way. Doesn't it? So we've entitled this New Year series, Together. 
And you might look at that picture and think this series is going to be about unity, people coming together, inclusion, working together, relationships. And you'd be partly right because we're going to talk about some of those things. But we're also wanting to talk about something so much more in this new year. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter of Ephesians, and he wants the Ephesians and anyone else who reads this letter, he wants them to know that God is doing something in the world that is bigger than anyone ever imagined. He gets really expansive here. In fact, in verses 3 through 14, these verses that we've just heard, they, they are this one monstrous, complicated sentence. There's no period here, not even a comma, I think. But this long sentence from verses 3 to 14, we have periods in our Bible in English, but in Greek it was one just complicated sentence, which has really given Greek scholars a whole lifetime of work. Because it's just complicated Greek, and what is he meaning? What is it, you know, and Paul does this, actually, in several different places in his letters. When he gets really excited about something, he rambles. The words just kind of pour out of him. And because he's the Apostle Paul, it also is deep, theologically rich scripture <laughs> when he does this. But then, in verse 10, he gets to this point, and he says that God has a plan. His words are a plan to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Talk about getting it all together. He's gathering up all things in heaven and on earth. This is huge. Paul is going to unpack this plan in the letter to the Ephesians, and in the words of Eugene Peterson, he will range widely to do so, going from heaven to, to earth to back again, showing how Jesus the Messiah is eternally and, and tirelessly bringing everything and everyone together. And that this is nothing less than the dynamo at the heart of the universe. God reconciling, restoring what is broken, fixing what is out of place in this world. Because of sin, things have been broken. And this is what God is doing in Jesus Christ is reconciling and restoring all of this in Jesus Christ. This is a big, big subject. And here's Paul saying this plan is, is what God has set in motion. Now, why is he talking about this to the Ephesians? What's his motive here? We find out in the very next verse, verse 11, he says this, in Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will. So get this. God's plan includes us 
but not just as recipients or observers to what he's doing, but as full participants. God uses the word inheritance. And I want you to think about that today. If you inherited from your parents in the ancient world, in Paul's time, in Jesus' time, if you received an inheritance, it was not a bank account or a life insurance policy. It wasn't an IRA or a stock portfolio. No. In the, in the ancient world, if you received an inheritance, you received a life. You received a vocation. If your father was a farmer, and you're the eldest son, and this is how it worked. It wasn't fair to the women, but this is what they did. The whole process of primogeniture was that the eldest son would inherit the farm. Now, it doesn't mean that you just got the farm. No, you got the life. You became a farmer. If your father was a builder, and you're the one who, you're the heir, you become the builder. It's just the way things are done. If, you're, if your father's a tailor, you're going to make clothes. If your father's a carpenter, you're going to work in the carpenter shop. You're going to inherit this life. Inheritance meant vocation. So here's Paul saying, God has a huge cosmic plan to bring broken things together in this world. And his plan involves a will if you like, with heirs, us. And the point is that in Christ, we discover who we are and what we're living for, our vocation, our calling. This is our inheritance. He's given us the ability to participate in what God is doing in the world, this, this grand gathering up. We get to be a part of it. So this series in our new year now, for the next six weeks, we'll take a look at several passages in Ephesians where Paul is describing how this all works. The first three chapters of the letter are mostly about theological meaning, uh, what it all means to, that God is doing this in the world, the meaning of um, what, how Jesus comes and how Jesus is accomplishing all this and how we're just receiving this by grace. There's nothing we can do about it to deserve it or any of it. He wants his readers to understand why and how Jesus brought about this grand plan. This is the theological underpinnings of the whole thing. But then, in chapter 4, there is a shift. And Paul gets very practical. He begins by saying that in view of this theological reality... He says these words, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Let it show in your life. And what follows is a specific instruction on how to live as an heir of God's will. You following me? So let's just take one step back here for a minute. As is true of any situation involving inheritance, there must be a willingness on the part of the heir. Inheritance is not an order, it's a gift. 
right? It must be received. Now, can you imagine the reading of a will at some amazing estate? Millions of dollars and all the heirs have gathered and it's red and these people are all outlined in the will and they're all recipients of this amazing inheritance and anyone in that meeting going, you know what, I'd just rather not. I really don't, I really don't want these millions of dollars. You know, it's, it wouldn't happen. And yet, it's possible. Inheritance must be received. It's not an order. It's a gift. So it's appropriate to ask, as we begin this series, and, and yes, this new year, 2018, it's appropriate to ask, are you willing to say yes to what God has for you, this gift that he wants to give you? Are you willing It's an important step, one that we must not overlook, to receive this gift from God. There's nothing you can do to earn it. We're going to learn more about that in a couple of weeks. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. It's grace. But God wants to have a relationship with you. Yes, you. Personally, you. God wants to have a relationship with you, just you. And God has sent his son, Jesus, to earth to make this relationship possible. Do you know about this? Maybe this is new for you. You've never really heard it explained this way. If it is, I want to tell you more about it. I know Pastor Dan feels exactly the same way. And a lot of our church leaders and church staff feel the same way. There's nothing more important than saying yes to God's gift of his son and to be in relationship. We call it receiving Christ. And if you have never prayed to receive Christ, to receive this gift, let, do not let this day end before doing it. It's that important. It's not complicated but it's just that important. If you have never really prayed, Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. This is what we're talking about. Do it today. Come and find me after the worship service if you want someone to pray with you or Dan or the people who meet over here for prayer after anybody, anybody can pray with you. To be honest, you could say the prayer absolutely by yourself. I did when I was 15 years old. I was with other people, but I prayed on my own. Jesus, I know you have been knocking on the door of my heart for a long time. I am saying yes to you. I receive you. Most important thing I ever did. And as I said, if you want to talk about this, Dan or I, would, we'll, we'll drop anything, everything. To, to talk with you, to do that. I know there are a lot of folks around here who feel the same way. It may be that you have been around church a long time, and you've heard about Jesus, how this, his death for our sins is the way we know we have a relationship with the Father, God. Maybe you've, you've never really said to God, I'm all in, in terms of what God has for your life. You've never really said that. You understand it. You feel like in your heart you're a Christian, but you've never really said to God, 
I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm receiving this inheritance of what you have for my life. I want to participate with what you're doing in the world. You've never said I'm all in. Today would be a great day to do that. And I'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you about that, if you'd like to talk to me or Dan or any of our prayer team over here. It's so easy. Just tell us. Send an email if you want, or text, or, or call. Or we're easy to reach, actually. <laughs> We'd love to be able to talk to you about that. These are important things. It's basic, but it's so important. So we're talking about God's master plan for the world, the whole world, and, and that each one of us has an invitation to participate with God in this plan. And some of us maybe have taken that first step of receiving Christ, but we've not really said yes to God's plan for our lives, not recently. Did you know that, that life is actually one long process of doing this? Day by day, we sometimes begin to think that we can do it by ourselves, or we forget how important this one part of it is, that we need to say yes to what God has for us. Just as it's actually impossible to, to get it all together on your own, it's also no good trying to live your life and to find your, your true purpose outside of what God is calling you to do. Not only does it not work, but it's not the best. What God has for you and me is the best calling you or I could ever imagine, our best vocation we could ever have. To say, Jesus, what are you doing today and how can I be a part of it? We talk about that a lot around here. I challenge you to listen to me instead of the baby. And that baby is welcome in this room. That prayer, Jesus, what are you doing in this place and how can I be a part of it? To start your day that way. Jesus, what are you doing in this day and how can I be a part of it? Do you pray that prayer? What a great way to start a year. This communion service today that we're just about to have is the perfect time to recommit your, to your inherited calling in Christ. There will be times of silence and waiting as we're passing the elements. Use that time to pray, to talk to this God who wants to have this ongoing personal relationship with you, this relationship that is an, an invitation to, I mean, this just blows my mind, to participate in what God is doing in the world, that you have an important part to play. I love what Tom did with the kids with the, with the football team, because every single member of a team is important. Unfortunately, sometimes the church gets to be a, um, a picture of a professional football game where there's, there's, you know, 22 people down on the field just working really, really hard and, and sweating and giving their lives, and there's thousands of people on the stands observing. 
It should be everybody on the field. And there's one observer, and that's God. So let's, in this new year, let's all of us commit to getting onto the field and being part of what God is doing. There's, there's no more exciting way to live than that. And fulfilling. And talk about feeling like life is chaotic or things are a mess. Do you feel this way sometimes? You wake up in the morning and it's just like, oh, how am I going to get it? make sense of this day and all that's going on? I'm telling you, to pray that prayer, Lord, what are you doing today and how can I be a part of it? It's amazing how everything just seems to kind of fall into line suddenly. Things start to make sense. It's a great, great way to live. Live into your inheritance. Let's pray together.